May the Lord give you his peace. Has anyone here been to a pilgrimage on to over to the Holy Land? Anyone? I've had the, uh, the privilege of going twice. And um, boy, it's really something to be over there and see the place where the events of the Bible happened. And uh, today's gospel is the story of the risen Jesus uh, giving breakfast to Peter and the apostles there on the Sea of Tiberias, which is also known as the Sea of Galilee, which is also known as the Sea of Gennesaret. It's all it's the same place. And it's actually a lake. It's called a sea, but it's, it's a lake. And uh, they know the exact spot where this happened. Oh, it, there's a little church there now. It's right on the coast of the lake, uh, coast, uh, right on the shore of the lake. And uh, there's, it's kind of like a big stone that's there. And there are some steps that were carved in the stone. Those steps predate Christ. And that's where they would have been able to get out of the water and climb up onto the shore. And there was a big rock there, which... It's not in the Bible, but it's always been the tradition that Jesus used this big rock as the table for the fire and the bread and the fish. And uh, there's a little church over that rock now. It's called Mensa Christi, or Table of Christ. And um, some of the popes, Pope Paul VI, Pope John Paul II, have visited there and um, laid face down on this rock in prayer because it's a very special place for the pope. You know, where Simon Peter had denied Jesus three times at the charcoal fire there in the courtyard of the high priest. So three times Jesus asked him, do you love me at the charcoal fire here at this scene on the the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Lake of Galilee? So, so powerful, a great place of mercy and forgiveness, a great place for the to pray for the, the office of the papacy and oh, wonderful things. And uh, I want to read uh, to you a couple of passages from the catechism about the resurrection of Jesus. It's so, oh, so well done. Who, you know, so, such a gift this catechism is. Um, And I'll listen to what the catechism says about the resurrection of Jesus. Says the resurrection of Jesus is the crowning truth of our faith in Christ. A faith believed and lived as the central truth by the first Christian community, handed on as fundamental by tradition, established by the documents of the New Testament, and preached as an essential part of the Paschal mystery along with the Christ uh, cross. So the resurrection is the central truth, the crowning truth. It's fundamental and essential for our faith. Uh, How else could you say it? (laughs) You know, isn't that beautiful? And then talking about the meaning of the resurrection. The catechism says, uh, starts off with a quote from 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And then it comments, the resurrection above all constitutes the confirmation of all Christ's works and teachings. Um, so that's pretty, pretty powerful stuff right there. And uh, so I want to encourage you, if you ever had an opportunity to do a little personal study on the resurrection of Jesus. There's been a number of really good books that have kind of come out, going through all the accounts that we have from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the writings of St. Paul, Acts of the Apostles. And uh, it's so rich and so deep and so beautiful. And what you will find there 
And, and this is what's so interesting, that the sacred authors have preserved for us the details of what happened, a real historical event that, like any other event in history, it happened. And what we have, the details that we have, are uh, accurate and trustworthy and reliable. Um, you look at all the different accounts that we have, you notice that they're a little bit messy, you know, between Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the Apostles, and the messiness is uh, evidence that the sacred authors did not make an attempt to clean up or polish or edit what was, you know, what they wrote down to make it all nice and tidy. You know, instead, it bears all of the hallmarks of eyewitness accounts. You know, if something happened and the police show up and they start interviewing everybody who was there, uh, there's typically a little bit of a variety of what you hear from different people, right? So it's, it's the, uh, the proof of, of authentic eyewitness accounts. So it's trustworthy, it's reliable, it's authentic. Mm. But also... And here's where it gets interesting. Not only do we have what really happened, also we have what it means. And there's where there's some like spiritual theology that was connected. So not only did they, like a newspaper, want to give us kind of what happened, but also there's a theology there. It tells us what, what does it mean, the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's not just, well, you know, they nailed his hand and they nailed his feet and that, you know, it. but there's a theological meaning that's there. So what really happened, the theological meaning are together, kind of like coffee and milk, right? You can't really separate them. You know, they're together. And um, what you'll notice if you do that study is that the, the accounts are filled with allusions to the Old Testament, to all kinds of things that happen in salvation history came to a head in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So just one example, just to like whet your appetite for this. If you read John's account of Mary Magdalene going to the tomb, you know, and she's looking for the body of the Lord, it parallels the Song of Songs. You know that book in the Old Testament, the Song of Songs? It talks about God as the beloved and God's people as the bride. And they're kind of like playing hide and seek and they're like looking for one another. And on the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene at Mass, the church places that reading as the first reading, Song of Songs, and the account of the Gospel of John, the Resurrection, Mary Magdalene as the Gospel. So that even the liturgy of the church matches those. And uh, it's so beautiful to see that uh, not only do we have what really happened, the empty tomb and the encounters with the risen Christ, but also a theological meaning or interpretation. So... That being said, there's one more step that needs to happen. All of that is kind of interesting, but brothers and sisters, we need to be able to make the step of how, how does, what does this mean for my life? What does this mean for my life? And you really need a, a contemplative kind of uh, spirituality to, to understand like, what is the, you know, the details of my life have to do with what God is doing. What does it mean? Um, just like the authors of the New Testament did that. They gave us what happened, but they also gave us what it meant. So I want to give you a small example of something that happened to me here. Okay, I'm here a couple of days. I'm, I'm on retreat. Uh, I'm very thankful. 
and it's Easter, so I'm reading about Easter and I'm praying and, and I'm praying and interceding for all of you. I don't even know you, but I'm just the parish and the people here. I'm just praying and interceding like a hermit should. And my car broke down. You know, now, thankfully, I'm on the highway. I was able to get into the service area, which I'm so grateful for, right? Because it's dangerous to be on the side of the road. And I'm thinking, this is Easter. This is the resurrection. My car just died. It's like Good Friday. You know, this thing died. And uh, now... The car is not being resurrected, okay? It has to be totaled because it's it's just done. It's done. All of our cars are donated, and it was it was old when we got it. So um, I don't know. Somehow there's no Easter there for that car, so we had to trash it. And I was a little, you know, I was frustrated and, and oh, all of that. And then I really felt like the, looking at the details of what happened to me, uh, I was able to discern what it meant and how the resurrection was present. Because that car broke down, I had the opportunity to have so many beautiful encounters with people. You know, I went to the rest stop and I got to befriend all the people working at McDonald's, including the manager. The kid who gave me the phone to use because I don't have a cell phone, uh, he took St. Francis's confirmation scene. And then the guy, the tow truck, I had a very beautiful encounter with him. And then the people down at Jen's uh, automotive thing, I had a very nice encounter with the people there. They gave me a little discount on the tow bill. And then there was a guy waiting for his car. I had a beautiful encounter with him. And then your pastor, Father uh, Emmanuel, has kind of been like taking care of me. And then um, so many people have offered to give me rides. So, you know, look what happened. All these opportunities for charity, for, to, to, to offer help, which it's awkward to receive it, but there's the opportunity. Whoever's going to donate the next car that will replace this car that died, isn't that beautiful? That's the resurrection. That's new life. That's the grace of God. How something that bad happened, you know, but something even more beautiful can come out of that. Love, uh, hope, charity. Uh, encounters with people, hopefully, you know, to encourage people in their faith, their relationship with God. But it takes a bit of a contemplative kind of gaze to see that. So just an encouragement for you that just as the death and resurrection of Jesus has a deep meaning, you in your own lives, whatever's happening, whatever the nitty gritty details of your life, to seek the Lord there. What does it mean? What is God saying? What is God doing? How is the grace of God unfolding in the things that are happening to me, including some of the difficult things? And so this Easter season, we pray for the grace to know and to believe, to understand and to proclaim his glory. Amen.